Christmas a day late. Thanks. Did you guys have a good Christmas? Good, you? Good. I'm glad. I hope so. I, uh, I hope that your Christmas was joyful. I do. I, I was thinking about that yesterday. It's funny how the older I get, um, the more excited I am just to kind of chill out. Um, but really, truly, though, is to just remember the gift that we had. You know, we celebrate yesterday. Yesterday was not Jesus' actual birthday. I get that. Uh, but it is the day that we celebrate God's gift to us, and there is no greater gift. So I hope that you took a moment and recognized that yesterday. If not, maybe take some time today, and a lot of you are on vacation, um, and just rest in that. Just take a moment and rest in the fact that um, our Creator came as one of us to redeem us. And that's what it's all about. Um, so yeah, I, I had a great Christmas. I know for myself, like um, yesterday was my daughter's birthday. She's a, she's a Christmas baby and that is just the coolest thing, let me tell you. And for some of you, I've, I've been told by some of you, you're like, whatever you do, you don't, you know, <laughs> make sure you give her a good Christmas and a birthday. I'm like, I'm not an idiot, okay? I'm, I'm a good parent, all right? But it was a lot of fun because the thing is, she doesn't have a birthday mid-year like some of us or any other time of the year. And, you know, last year at Christmas, she turned two yesterday and last year she was one. She didn't know what the heck was going on. Like she wasn't into it. And so she really had no like opportunities to really unwrap presents until yesterday. And of course she gets like double the amount. And I mean, it was so much fun. Like, like I'm the guy who I'm like begging to go wake her up because I just wanted her to give her the, her gifts and uh, just has so much fun with her. And so I hope your Christmas was great. Uh, mine was absolutely. Um, so, Hey, today we're starting it's a new series, it's a two-week series called A New You Resolution. Obviously, we're playing off this idea of New Year's resolutions, um, but I know really what it comes down to it is, is this idea of a New Year's resolution is always to better ourselves. Like We want to be better for other people as well, but let's be real. Like A New Year's resolution is always centered around ourselves because we have to become better versions of ourselves, even if we want to be better to other people. Um, I came across a story this week. I want to share it with you. It's actually an Easter story. I know, wrong time of the year. But I thought it was really interesting. And this guy was talking about um, his experience whenever he was a child on Easter. And what he would do every year is they would go to the local park and they would have an Easter egg hunt at the local park. And at that park were different uh, baseball fields different baseball diamonds. And what they would do is in order to contain the kids so they didn't lose them, they would put them inside these baseball fields and they would hide eggs within the baseball fields. He said every single year there was this grand prize egg, a golden egg. And that golden egg is what every kid wanted because it, when, it's like this prestigious award. If you got the golden egg, they presented, they presented you the grand prize in front of all the other kids. And every year, just like every other kid, he wanted the golden egg. And so they line them up around home base, kind of down the lines a little bit. And when they tell them to go, all the kids take off running every year. And, and this particular year, I mean, he was scouring. He was trying to look out and find the golden egg, just like every kid was. And he looked, and at the very end of right field, where the fence was, he could see the golden egg glistening in the sun. The sparkling, it's so beautiful. So he set his focus on that golden egg. And when they said go, he left all the other kids in the dust and he sprinted with everything he had out to right field to grab the golden egg. He said he remembers going out there huffing and puffing. He was sweating, knowing that he gets this award, this grand prize, and all the other kids are going to be so envious of him. And he gets out there, and he gets about 20 feet from the golden egg, and he realizes that it was all an illusion. It was a candy wrapper that he had seen glistening in the sun. 
And he said that he, he thought about it and he was heartbroken. He's like, well, at least I can go back and get some more eggs. And by the time he turned around and made his way back, all the eggs have been found. And he went home that day with his head held low and not a single egg in his basket. And it got me thinking of the way that we think about life. As we grow older, really, I mean, like, the games don't really change, right? Our mentalities don't change. They just get more expensive. You know, in our culture, we're so consumed with finding the golden egg that we ignore and, and pass up opportunities all along the way. Dave Ramsey says it best. He says, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. How true is that? I told you yesterday was my daughter's second birthday. <clears throat> she's my only child. And so, like, I don't, like, to me, like, she's two. She can wear Walmart clothes. That's where we, you know, what, who cares? She doesn't care. But I had it in my head before she was born that she needed a safe car to ride in. I'm like, you know what? Like, our cars, they're, they're older. Um, I've been doing this Dave Ramsey plan for a while. Let's, let's go buy a new car, new, new, new to us car. And so literally on November 11th of 2019, we went out and bought my dream car. To this day, this car, if I could have any car on the road, it would be this car. I still think it's the most beautiful car on the road. And it probably sounds like, you know, as if I don't own it anymore. And I don't. This car was so nice. I'm not going to tell you what it was. You'll judge me. But... <laughs> Some of you have it, and I don't like you very much. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, we did sell it. But what it, the thing is, is after buying this car, what I realized was with all these luxuries and everything, man, it just didn't fulfill. And it didn't take me long to realize that at all. See, that car was my golden egg, and it had every bell and whistle you can imagine. And I was so proud when I finally got it, and I came home, and I parked it in the garage, and it barely left the garage in the year that I had it. We owned it for a year and I was so scared to drive it because I didn't want it to get dirty or I didn't want to get a rock chip on it. And I'm like, why do I even have this? And so, you know, you think about this idea of, I, I look at everything I do in my life, time, my money, whatever, as an investment. It could be a good one or it can be a poor investment. Cars are poor investments, by the way. They only depreciate. In that year of having, and I'm a, I'm a wheeler and a dealer, so like I got a good deal on it, and when I sold it, I got a good deal on it. But in that year's time, I lost $800. That's pretty good, right? If you know anything about depreciation, that's pretty good. Some of you are like, yeah, it's still $800. Yeah, but here's the thing. Was it still a poor financial investment? Perhaps. But actually, it was probably the best investment I've ever made, um, at least financially, because of what it taught me. See, I don't look at it as I lost $800. I, think, I feel like I learned what I don't need. I feel like I learned that it's not about stuff. And so that was my golden, golden egg. And I'm not telling you that having nice things or a new car or whatever is bad. It's not. But I'm telling you that rather than me having that car, I let that car have me. What I realized was that, that car was not going to change anyone else's life. Not mine, not anyone else's. I realized that by driving that compared to our 2004 Camry and our 2006 Tacoma, that those other two vehicles are going to get me where I need to go just as easily as that car. Not in as much style or comfort, 
<laughs> I do miss my heated and cooled seats. Amen for those of you who have those. Those are awesome. Um, I do miss that, but I don't miss the car. I don't. I, miss, I don't miss the stress of having the thing and, and worrying about it. But I let it have me. And what I want to talk about today is one day we're all not going to be here anymore. It's like my grandpa used to say that there's two guarantees in life, death and taxes, right? But once we're gone, how are people going to remember us? What are people going to say about you at your funeral? And as we start this new series, A New You Resolution, I want us to think in terms of our mortality because it's a guarantee. This morning, I want to focus our attention on two passages of scripture to start out with that really go hand in hand and talk about what it looks like to really live our lives outside of ourselves. The first one is from Colossians 3. It's a little short, but it says, so you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. He says it again right there not on earthly things. And this last, sentence is, this last sentence is one of my, if not my very favorite sentence in the entire Bible. In fact, if you go to my Instagram account, you're gonna see that I have hidden with Christ in there. But he says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He's saying, don't think in terms of earth. Like life really isn't about just the here and the now. There is so much more to it. We are to do the best with what we've been given, but why? And I believe that that answer comes in another writing that the apostle Paul wrote. And I want you to see what he says. There's 10 verses here in Philippians and there's so much packed into this. I'm gonna break it down a little bit as we go. But in verse 12, he says, not that I have already reached the goal or, or, or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. I love that he's saying, eventually, I'm going to reach perfection because perfection has reached me. That one day, I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to live somewhere else, the place that I really belong. And the reason that I'm able to reach that perfection is because perfection, his name is Jesus, has reached me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. He's like, I haven't arrived, okay? I'm not perfect yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. He's saying, quit dwelling on the past. At the beginning of the year, I showed the staff a video. Um, we were just kind of talking about what this next year is gonna look like. What is 2021? What do we gotta do to move the kingdom of God forward? And I showed this video of a relay race being ran. And you had these, these runners and they were passing off the baton. And I don't remember which country they were from, but this one, they were winning. It was very obvious that they were winning. And what they would do is they would stand there and they would wait for the baton to hit their hand and they'd take off running. And one thing they teach you is to never look back because if you look back, you're not looking forward and you see it very clearly that whenever the guy goes to get the baton, he looks back and he drops the baton and they end up getting last place all because he dropped the baton and couldn't get it back quick enough. And that's what Paul is saying here. And if I'm to be honest with you, that's a reminder that I needed this week. I needed to be reminded to quit dwelling on my past. Because if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll let our past affect our future. We'll be so paralyzed by fear. I am very guilty of paralysis by analysis. I am an analyzer hardcore, okay? People think I'm negative. No, I'm a realist, okay? That's what I say. But I tend to see every scenario. But if I'm not careful, I will let it paralyze me. I won't move forward because of fear or, or past mistakes that I've made. 
And Paul says in verse 14, he says, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. He's looking forward. That heavenly call, that prize, is eternity with him. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. And he's saying that if we give up our pursuit of eternity with Jesus, then we're nothing more than immature. Verse 16, in any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, Paul says, brothers and sisters, and, be, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have also often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross. Paul wanted nothing more than people to know Christ. He said, those people who are enemies of the cross, their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, and they are focused on what? Earthly things. Remember in Colossians, he tells us to think about, have put our minds and focus on heavenly things, things above. And here's why. Verse 20, because our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. This humble condition that we're in, sin-ridden condition, we're broken. And he's saying, listen, he will transform us from this humble condition into something very glorious because we will be perfected by the perfector. You're putting these two passages together that are from different books. Here's Paul's summary. It's just kind of the way that I wrote it. I believe he's saying, quit obsessing over earthly things and focus on heavenly things because it's in heaven where we truly belong and where we will one day spend eternity. See, life is fleeting. Life is very temporary. And some of you have seen this example before. So if you have, humor me. If you haven't, a lot of you may have, maybe, maybe you haven't. Um, but I have this rope with me. Francis Chan did this like 20-something years ago, so I ripped it off of him. So have you ever, anybody ever seen this example? No, you haven't. Pretend like you haven't, okay? All right, thank you. All right, so this rope, it's white, right? You see the white? This rope goes on forever. It's actually tied off in the AVL room. I put it around the conduit back there, so. Um, but it pretend like it goes on forever, okay? This white represents eternity. But this black spot that I colored with Sharpie represents the here and the now. Do you ever think about the fact that this is what lies in front of us, but we are so focused on the here and the now? Like we literally let this little black area right here dictate this. And we should, we should, the way that we live here does matter for this. But sometimes we give up this for this. Why do we do that? Why are we, so, I mean, I know, this, you can't see it. It goes on forever, right? But you look at this. This is nothing. This is nothing in comparison to this. And yet we're so focused on the here and the now. We're so focused on the past and the present that we let, it, let us forget about our future. I'm not talking future here on earth. That's part of this black part. This is eternity with Christ. What you do with your life will not only impact your tomorrow, but it will impact the people around you tomorrow. You see, it's not about us. I, I want to have a little bit of fun. I just want to take a, a quick poll and we're not going to judge each other. Um, but I have three questions for you, okay? First question is, how many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? 
Okay. I would say probably about three quarters of you if I were to guess. Number two, how many of you have seen that through to completion? Way less. Okay, thank you for being a statistical average and proving my point. Number three, how many of you gave up on it? Okay, look around. Put, put it back up. Look around. You're not alone. Okay, there you go. Well, I studied New Year's resolutions this week, and here's what I learned. You'll see it on the screens. 41% of Americans will make a New Year's resolution for 2022. Of that 41%, a quarter of them will stay committed to, or will not stay committed to them. I think I said will say will not after 30 days, okay? And only 8% will accomplish them in that year. The point being is we have good intentions. We just have poor follow through. You know why this happens? Just to go back to the rope example. is because we let this get in the way. Even during this right here, even during the, the, the life, our life here on earth, we let our circumstances get in the way, don't we? We let busyness get in the way. We let laziness get in the way. We let people get in the way. We let ourselves get in the way. We just let life get in the way. And we don't see them through to completion because they're hard. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll let our current circumstances squeeze out our goals. So what do we have to do? I believe we have to retrain our brains. And how do we do that? I believe it was answered in scripture. We need to recognize to whom we belong and to whom we eagerly await. Jesus. In other words, we need to put our focus on Jesus. See, when Paul talks about not attaining the goal yet, he's saying, I'm not, I'm no, I'm not with Christ yet is when he was writing this. I'm not with him yet. But that's my ultimate goal. That's my eternity. And I asked you earlier, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? You see, there's the hope of what we want people to say, right? So we want people to think this way about us. But then there's the reality of what people will say or the reality of how people see us. And the question is, is how do we bridge that gap? How do we put those two things together? Man, I want people to see me this way. In reality, they see me this way. How do I make that one and the same? I want to take the next few moments and give you a few ways, four ways, that I believe that we can make this happen. And I tell you this when I do this kind of stuff. It's not an exhaustive list. It's just four ideas that maybe you can take and apply to your life. And number one is simply don't wait. That's pretty easy, right? Or not. You know, well, I'll, I'll start my diet on Monday. You ever, ever said that before? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's really easy to say that, really hard to do that. Um, you know, here in a, in a couple of weeks or a week, um, I'm going to see all kinds of new people in the gym. Um, you know, well, I'll, I'll start working out, you know, that'd be my New Year's resolution. I'll start working out at the beginning of the year. And um, it kind of breaks my heart, if I'm to be honest, because I, 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 I see them for maybe a month. And then they're part of that statistic that I gave you earlier. And I no longer see them after 30 days or so. They mean well, they want to change, life just gets in the way. Or maybe, maybe you're one of those people who's like, I just want to, I want to start, you know, when I start making more money, I'll start being more generous. You know, I'll start giving to the church or I'll give more to the church, or I'll give more to charity, I'll, be, I'll, I'll give more to people once I start making more money. When I get that raise, I'll be more generous. No, you won't. Because you waited, statistically. 
We probably won't because we didn't just start. I gave you those three examples, you know, uh, healthier diet, working out, and being more generous slash saving money, uh, because those are the top three resolutions every single year for first world countries. So it'd be no different for 2022. In 2022, those are gonna be the top three resolutions as to what order they're in, I don't know. But website after website that I looked at, those were the top three things. But what I do know is that today's December 26th, which means that there's five days left in this year. If you start now, you will be five days ahead of everyone else. Now, I don't say that as if it's a competition. I just know, and maybe it's just my personality, but what I've learned about myself is if I don't procrastinate, I'm more likely to see my goals through. And I also understand that God tells us to be different and maybe that's just the way we need to look at it. We went on vacation a couple of weeks ago and we were down in Franklin, Tennessee, really nice area. And um, I found this gym down there and this gym was awesome. I mean, it was just so cool. And um, the, the, just the atmosphere was awesome. Uh, the equipment, they were doing like these photo shoots in there. It was just crazy, insane. Never experienced anything like it. It was so much fun. And um, on the wall, there's all these different fitness people, some IFBB pro bodybuilders, some fitness influencers. And basically when people come in town, apparently this is where they go. Like I'm talking like, you know, people you see on Instagram or whatever. And there's this one lady and I've actually, I kind of know about her. Um, and I like, they, they take their picture and they put it on the wall and they ask them to sign it. And then they, they uh, ask them to just do a little inspiring quote or whatever. But what she said, I absolutely love. And man, it just like rocked me and I loved it. She said, go the extra mile. It's never crowded there. And I love that. And I'm thinking, man, what a good way to put toward my faith, right? To go the extra mile. Jesus tells us to do that to take the path less traveled, to do something different than what the world is doing. Don't wait. Number two, today's details are tomorrow's legacy. Paul talked earlier about the enemies of the cross and he said, their end is destruction. If you're an enemy of Christ, your end is destruction. Their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame and they are focused on earthly things. Now I'm not saying that we're enemies of the cross, but if our today's details or these things, uh, our stomachs, our shame, if we're focused on earthly things, then the legacy that we leave will not be what we hope. The way that we want people to see us will not be our reality. We're not going to be able to bridge that gap. Now I was thinking about the most influential people in my life, and there's quite a few, but I think that we really, you know, at least, at least the things that we consider to be maybe like good about ourselves, we probably have learned that through watching people that we look up to. And I wrote this down, the value of a life is determined by the amount of it that was given away. Now that's not how God sees us, okay? God does not look at it that way. God looks at the human soul as a, you can't put a dollar amount on it. Okay, it's priceless. I'm saying as humans, the way that we tend to look at one another, the way that we tend to judge one another, not in a bad way, the way that we tend to, to admire or not one another is based on the amount of a life that was given away. You know, it's all the small things that add up over time. 
It's this, it is this idea of investing, right? That whenever it comes to investing, if you're investing for your retirement, it really does come down to small amounts over a long period of time. And it's the same way with relationships. See, if you're, if you're just young people, hear me out, okay? This has nothing to do with the message. <laughs> but when it comes to retiring, if you start at 40 years old where you're you know, probably making around the most amount you're gonna make in your life, okay? And maybe you're like, hey, you know what kind of idea of early? Well, I'm gonna start now. Maybe you do. And you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invest $1,000 a month or 1,500 or 2,000. And maybe you're younger in this room. You're like, I could never imagine being able to do that. If you're 20 years old, if you're younger, if you would start at $100 a month right now, you're gonna be so far ahead of the 40-year-old who starts by putting 1,000, 1,500, 2,000. Why? Compounding interest. Little amounts over a long period of time. And the same exact thing works for relationships. You know, I looked at my, I was thinking about this, I was looking at my mentor this week and I thought, man, what a difference he has made in my life. I've known him for, it's just, I've only known him for 12 years, but for 12 years I've been able to call him and at any time he picks up the phone. And if he doesn't, he calls me right back. Small amounts of time over a long period of time, he has left a lasting legacy on my life, all because of the amount of his life that he gave away to me. Teaching me, holding me accountable, asking me questions, guiding me whenever I had questions. Number three, don't confuse activity with productivity. Okay, and I think that this one probably for many of us is the one that we can relate with the most. The American dream, right? Do more, work more, buy that dream car, buy your dream house, buy things that you can't afford with money you don't have to impress people you don't like and, and, and more, more, more. How much stuff, whoever dies with the most toys wins. How much stuff can I accumulate? Then you work more to do it. There are certain people who, who want to be seen as busy. Like they find their identity in that. Maybe that's you. And it's exhausting. But just because you're active does not mean that you're productive. Busyness is not equal to being productive. Time management is so important. I'm going to share a word with you this morning that I'm giving you permission to use that many of you have a hard time saying, and it's the word no. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're, I'm not, I'm not trying to be me, maybe you're the, the people-pleasing type. Maybe it's very hard for you to say no. For me, it's the exact opposite, but I can kind of come off as a jerk. <laughs> so for me, it's like, hey, Bart, do you want, no. <laughs> yeah. I don't, like my, I don't like my plans messed with. But for some of you, it's really hard for you to say that word. For some of you, you're not able to, to better yourself because you feel like you have to do for everyone else. And, and that's a great quality to have, but I believe we need to have a balance, that whole bridging the gap, right? Let's meet in the middle somewhere. Sometimes it's okay to just say No. I love how John Maxwell puts it. He says, priorities are the pre-decisions about time. Many years ago, I heard the saying that our money and our time will flow effortlessly to that which is important to us. It's our priorities, right? Like for me, 
if you were to, like, I always say, okay, if, if you were to show me your calendar and your bank account, I could tell you what's important to you. I can tell you what you prioritize in your life. If I were to show you the calendar on my phone, you would see that I block out certain times for certain things, okay? If I were to show you my online banking statement, you could see, okay, obviously every month he's allocating money toward that. You would see, like I, t- I shared a top 10 li- list with you a few weeks ago whenever I preached. One of those things on there was Spotify, I love my music. And you would see, oh, hey, every month for the last five years, you've paid $9.99 a month for music. And some of you are like, that's dumb. Well, to each his own, okay? It's my priority. <laughs> I don't have TV. TV's dumb. No, I'm kidding. It's, it, I, the point I'm making is it's just a priority. It's just what I like. I have no qualms throwing 10 bucks a month to be able to listen to my music that I want to listen to every single day. It's the same thing with my time. Where I decide to spend my time shows what my priorities are in my life. And finally, and really I think that's number four, kind of just sums up the first three. And it's this. Don't settle for mediocrity. This is a big one. Are you okay being mediocre? I'm not saying you are. I'm just asking, is that a thing? Is is it something that you struggle with? Is it easy to fall into? We're full of Paul's writings today, but I think he hit the nail on the head in Romans 12 too. He says, don't be conformed to this age, okay? To this world. Don't be conformed to society, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. And what Paul's doing here is he's coming right off of chapter 11. See, he did not write these in chapters and verses. We added that. But he's coming off of chapter 11 talking about what are you going to do with the gospel message of Jesus? And he's saying, listen, if you want to act, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, he's saying act like it. In the way that you live out there, in the way that you, you spend your time, your money, don't act like the rest of the world. He's saying literally, he's saying, listen, be set apart from the world. That's what holy means, by the way. See, God created this this little nation of Israel and he said, hey, I don't want you to be like the other nations. I want you to be holy, set apart. I want you to be a beacon, a light for all the other nations to see. And then Jesus comes on the scene. He's like, okay, you've done that. Not the greatest job, but here I am and I've taught you how to live. He's like, now I want you to get out of here. And I want you to go into all the nations and I want you to be holy and set apart from the rest of the world. Flavor me up. Make people want what you have in me and go reach the world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This idea of mediocrity really got me thinking that this is exactly what the world wants for us, okay? Nothing more than status quo, average, mediocre people. At best, honestly, the world wants to see us fail. Why? So that we're dependent on the system. It's like they don't want free thinkers anymore. And Jesus is a bad name, a bad word to some people. The last point I want to leave you with this morning is this, that mediocre people want the change, but they don't want to change. So many people are happy living the status quo. It's kind of, if we we have this mentality of, well, I'll just do the minimum that I need to do to get by, this kind of mentality 
breeds mediocrity in our lives. And that's just not what God has called us to do. It's like asking the question, you know, hey, at my job, how little can I do and still receive a paycheck? How is that being any different? How is that being set apart from the world? Or this idea of, you know, uh, how much sin can I commit and still make it into heaven? Can I just pray a prayer and be good? Mediocre people, they do want the change. They want to be different. They want to have different things. They want to experience different. They want to be, they want to show the love of Jesus more, but they don't want to do what it takes. They don't want to put forth effort. They don't want to put in the work. And it's so easy to fall into that. I know that firsthand. But that's not what we're called to be. And God never says it's going to be easy because change is hard, right? To eat different, it's hard. To start working out, it hurts. It's hard. To be more generous, it's hard. But we've got to do something that we are not used to doing in order to get those results. And God never says it'll be easy. James, the brother of Jesus, he says, consider it a great joy. That's weird. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience different trials in your life. When you go through junk in your life, not if, You can do the Bible word study on it if you want. It means when, it's not if. Two totally different words. James says, listen, you're going to experience crap, okay? Things are gonna be hard, but when that comes, consider it pure joy. Why? That's weird. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Again, change is hard. But if we want to rise above mediocrity, according to verse four, he says again, let us let endurance have its full effect so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If you're letting something mature, you're letting it finalize, you're letting it complete, you're allowing it to come to fruition. If you look at the definition of mediocre, you'll see that it means, and I just looked online, only of moderate quality, not very good. In other words, mediocrity is incomplete. It can be better. Now, obviously we we do and we are going to fall short because we are not Jesus. But I'll leave you with one last verse. Well, kind of. And yeah, Paul wrote this too. Um, Colossians 2.10, he says, so you are complete through your union with Christ who is head over every ruler and authority. He's saying, listen, every single government official, human ruler, every single spiritual ruler, authority, what do we call them? Lower, you know, lowercase g gods, demons, devils, Satan, whatever. All of these rulers and authorities, he's saying, listen, you are complete through your union with Christ because he has control over every single thing that goes on. And I use this specific translation here because of the word complete. You are complete through your union with Christ. But another way to translate that word complete is the Greek word pleiru. You gotta do that little R roll thing. Um, Is what you would see in other translations. So if you have your Bible, you might see something like this. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. 
And the reason I showed you that, that second one is because those specific three words, have been filled, those are written in what's called the present perfect tense. It's this idea of looking back and remembering an event that happened that is ongoing. And it's still here in the present. It's going to continue in the future if you let it. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, church. And that decision, do you remember the decision you made to submit your life, to surrender your life to Christ? Many of you remember that. And what he's saying is, when that happened, that wasn't the end. It wasn't a one-time event. Jesus doesn't change. And if we will allow him, it should affect our present, and that should drive our future. It is no longer about me. I thought that was the last scripture and literally five minutes before I walked out here, another scripture popped in my head, so it won't be on the screen. Um, Paul wrote it, <laughs> uh, Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Guess what? Those words have been crucified. Those are the present perfect tense as well. There was a moment where you made the decision to give up the world. But we're never called to give up on the world. There was a moment in our lives, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, where you said, enough is enough. It's no longer about me. It is all about Jesus. And that moment was a defining moment for many of us in this room and watching online. And we are living it in the present. And it will continue into the future if we allow it. Jesus won't stop. Will you? Why? He ends and he says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So my question this morning, as we wrap up 2021 and we head into 2022, where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Really? Have you made him the Lord of your life? Have you submitted? Have you had that moment, that defining moment where you have been filled, have you had that? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you made him the Lord of your life? If the answer is no, or I don't know, then you need to talk to somebody today. As I pray, the prayer team's going to come forward. And these people up here are here to pray for you for whatever you need, whether it's just for healing for somebody, you know, maybe it's have a better, to have a better year, I don't know what it is, maybe, but maybe it's because you want to start a relationship with Jesus today. There is no magical prayer that you can pray to do that, but it is a decision to be made. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, man, you know, I've I've dropped the ball. I've lost my zeal. Paul would say that's being immature, okay? But that doesn't mean that you can't come back. Doesn't mean that you can't mature because nothing is fully matured until the end. If you're still sucking wind this morning, it's not too late. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you in your relationship with Jesus? Are you allowing the gift that he has given you, salvation through his only son, his unique son, the only perfect one, the perfecter of our faith, have you allowed him to change your life? And have you allowed him to continue to do so? If not, take a moment this morning and pray. Take a moment this morning and come forward and receive prayer. I'm telling you, church, it is all about Jesus. It is not about us. And my prayer for us as a church as we move forward into the next year is that we will recognize that and that we will act upon that. 
we will not be held back by us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for, for who you are. And not only, through, not, not only just for who you have made us, but who, are, who you are continuing to make us. Uh, we're a process. We are quite the handful, I'm sure. Um, but Father, we, we lean on you. Jesus, you were and are the, the perfect one. And we thank you that we get to reach perfection because you reached us first. May we get to the end of our lives and have people truly look back and say, that's what I want to be like, not for our glory, all for yours. We do look forward to the day where we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray that's our motivation, not for riches, not for prizes, but for the ultimate prize to spend eternity with you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. (laughs) We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you take that and do with it what you will, but um, as you go into the next year, put Jesus first. I love you.